And it's a really important initiative for staff health and well-being. Like I see the groups going out at lunchtime and I see them organising to meet at one o'clock in the front and getting even 20 minutes or half an hour into your day or maybe coming in a bit earlier, staying back. But it is trying to fit these pieces in. And we all have to mind ourselves as individuals, as managers, as colleagues, you know. So I think those opportunities for that chat and that walk, it's crucial to mind in our own health. Hello and welcome back to the H2C Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. My name is Fergal Fox and today I'm speaking with two HSC Health Promotion and Improvement Managers, Jonisa Murphy and Karen Heavey. Health Promotion and Improvement is a key delivery arm for HSC Health and Wellbeing, so today I hope to talk about the work going on at ground level. So you're both very welcome, guys. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I hope you've been listening in. Thanks, Fergal. Yeah, we've been listening. Because we've been kind of talking about you behind your back, so it's good to have Health Promotion Managers here. What's your thoughts on using podcasts as a communication just really pleased to be asked to be part of the podcast and I've been listening to one or two while out for a walk in the evening as well so I found them really insightful and really to get a better understanding of the work on the ground so please have the opportunity to speak today. Great great so so you might tell us a bit I suppose about what work the Health Promotion Improvement Department does in HSC Health Department. There's a huge range of programmes that we lead out on, like a lot of the policy priority programmes we implement at a local level, whether that's around tobacco, healthy eating, physical activity, sludge care, healthy communities, that health and well-being. So there's a huge programme of work there that we're tasked with delivering in each of our areas there and we key staff leading out on the different programmes then. And what's your area? What's the, the geographic areas we're talking about here? Yeah, so I'm in Southeast Community Healthcare area, which covers Wexford, Waterford, Carlow, Kilkenny and South Tipperary. And yourself, Karen? And I'm in Dublin South, Kildare, West Wicklow. OK, so the Slaughter Care Healthy Communities, one of our episodes focused on that, yeah. but we didn't speak to anybody from your areas. How, how have you found that? Yeah, very exciting programme, really, to see health promotion wrapped up and delivered into a community as a whole programme. And being able to have that offer out, whether it's around healthy eating, whether it's around tobacco, social prescribing, even staff health and wellbeing, we're working with staff in those slaughter care health communities. The MEC programme as well, we're delivering through there. So we have four sites in our area and it's really an exciting programme. We're actually launching the Cherry Orchard one next Thursday. So great to see it at this stage of delivery. Yeah. And we have three sites in the southeast, Wexford, Waterford and Clonmel. And I think the beauty about the slaughter care community is right into the heart of the community where the services are most needed and where we need that extra investment with people living with more marginalised challenges. So it's great to have that dedicated support there and to see the traction on the ground and the effects of it there, whether it's through the parenting programmes, young families, parents signing up for the parenting programme and or the Healthy Food Made Easy. It's fabulous. And one of our programmes here we've just started to lead out on is the We Can Quit programme. That's a fabulous success and we've had great interest in it and people staying for the whole length of the programme, which is fabulous as well. Yeah, if you have the retention, yeah. Yeah, I suppose you can guarantee that there's going to be an impact made, yeah. isn't there? And you're doing something right if people are staying. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. not just engaging and in and out. It's not a revolving door. Yeah. I think the Slaughter Care of the Communities from a health promotion perspective is, like Karen said, like it's it's different. It's very different than anything we've done before because you're, you have the local authorities on board and you have those community partners on board. What kind of community partners are you working with? From our perspective, it's really exciting to have a local development officer in your local authority, to have local implementation working groups. And we would have health promotion officers sitting on those implementation groups. So we have Keith out in Lundalkin, we have Alan out in Tala, we had Anya and Serena down in Atai and in Cherry Orchard, Tina Daly, who's been very instrumental in supporting Health Food Made Easy and We Can Quit. So it's a really exciting programme and I think it joins up the dots around how we promote health because we'd come from a health promotion discipline 
And I suppose the Ottawa Charter would be our guiding document. So you really have to work at the environment. You have to look at the setting where people are living, where they're learning, where they're walking, where they're working and what supports can be there to improve health and make health the easier choice to get out there and walk, to get out there and engage with the community, be a volunteer, take part in their schools, take part in older person programs, take part in healthy eating. So I think for the first time in a long time in health promotion, I feel we have that joined up thinking around how we can support a community as a whole from the very young child in that community to the older person in that community. Yeah. And key to that is our partners working in collaboration. Like it's essential for us to have that partnership and integrated piece working on the ground and leading it from within the communities because they're best placed to know what are the needs and how they can attract people into the programs. We're delighted to say we're working in partnership now in Wex. We work with Ferns Youth Services, Barnardos as well, and Wexford Local Development Committee. And then in Watford as well, we're working with Brill Family Resource Centre and there's a collaboration of family resource centres in Watford leading out in the programmes. The family resource centres have really become a huge enabler. Oh, yeah. You know, because yeah. I suppose by definition, they're placed where they're needed. Yeah. And working with them to be health promoting entities. And they have the trust of the communities. Yeah. They're long term embedded there. They have a building there. They deliver programmes. They're the go to for a lot of families when mm. they have a query or a question or where do I go to now? So I suppose the family resource centres have been key along with the partnership companies. We'd work quite closely with County Kildare Leader Partnerships, out, yeah. um, County Dublin Partnership, Bally Farm and Chapelizzard Partnership. Bernardo's and a number of resource centres as well. So they have the reach that we don't have and we won't have. And there's a trust built up there as well. So we work so closely with our partners and really they are the conduits for quite a lot of our programmes. So you're working with a massive group of allies to be able to hit the ground effectively, I guess. Yeah, and as well in Clonmel, like we work with Clonmel Resource Centre. Naomi Burke there is the manager. And like all of those family resorts have such a reach and history in the community. So they're they're established, they're known, they're a trusted source to go to for families. And also, like, we're delighted to be working in partnership with them because they really are essential. We say that in terms of the health information that we try to provide from a HSE perspective. We want to be a trusted source of health information. But at that ground level that you're talking about, and it's interesting the word that you use there, history and trust, like that relationship we're, yeah. we're leveraging into other people's relationships yeah. for help promoting impact. Yeah. And I think help promotion is about that. We're not the sole deliverers of it. Like in order for us to have effect in how we want to deliver our programs, we need all partners coming together and doing their bit. And I think when we look back on the history of health promotion, like myself and Karen are over 20 years working in health promotion. And when I see the progress that has been made in health promotion over those 20 years, and particularly since the launch of the Healthy Ireland framework and the Slaunch Care framework as well, that investment, that government commitment in relation to a health in all policies and all of society stepping up and doing their bit, whether it's the local GA club. I know Noel was on a couple of weeks ago, Noel Richardson, talking about the healthy clubs, like whether it's healthy clubs or healthy schools, healthy workplaces, healthy communities, which is what we've just been talking about. Everybody has a role to play in health and whilst we're tasked with it from the HSE, but we need our partners and we need our communities coming with us and all of us facing in one direction, which is ultimately around health and well-being. Yeah, no, that's very well put. So you're talking there about the history and from my perspective, when I look back in the 20 years, it's been kind of slow change for a while. The Healthy Ireland framework absolutely, as you said, made a huge difference. The Healthy Ireland Street Action Plan more recently has seen a revolution, though, in the last three or four years. I mean, like, and you've been at the coalface of that, been managers. So what's that been like? 
I suppose we started as managers all together in January 2020. I had a team of eight working in Dublin, South Kildare, West Wicklow, serving a population over 700,000. And the team will have grown, hopefully by the end of the year, by 40. 40 skilled, competent, confident health promotion officers out there delivering programmes, working with the local authorities, working with the partners and supporting improved health outcomes for our communities out there. So I've seen a huge change in health promotion over the last 20 years. And a real embedding of it. And we're at the table now in terms of HSE structures, whether that's the enhanced community care, slauncher care, being involved with the integrated care programme for older persons and chronic disease. Having a head of service for health and wellbeing, being at those tables has made a huge difference to how we're viewed as a service. That embedding of health promotion at every level. And it makes a really important stride in terms of having standardised programmes, evidence-based programmes, that we become known And we do quite a lot of PR in our area. We just launched our annual report. So, you know, people are starting to see, well, that's the department who deliver on MEC, who deliver on staff health and wellbeing, who do training for the teacher training for Mm -hmm. community programmes. Yeah, we might come back to one of those. So it's interesting, though, what you're saying, that you feel that you've become more integrated, like there's been an evolution internally in the HSC with the heads of service for health and wellbeing, and you've got better integrated internally, but you've also become better integrated externally because of that investment that we just spoke about in Slaunchy Health Community and the likes of that. Yeah, yeah. I think the whole Enhanced Community Care programme and the reform programme there has been a huge winner in terms of reforming the health service and how we do our business and bringing the care as near as possible to where the patients and clients need it. So that in itself, that investment in terms of primary prevention and promotion of health is essential. And for us to be there at the table as a key player, as one of the key players in those primary care networks or chronic disease hubs, to be able to support people where they need it at the right time and in the right place. Enhanced community care isn't something that we've spoken about before, but mm. it has, as well as Slaunchy Care, it has been an enabler of a greater investment both into health and wellbeing and it's been an enabler for that integration piece, Karen, that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Having a building block that will stay constant now, that network. In the enhanced community care. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Having that community health network and having a network manager and we'd work quite closely with our 14 network managers and we have a health promotion officer based in each of these networks. Right. We also have a health promotion officer based and supporting the chronic disease hubs as well and working with our ICPOP hubs too. So actually, I think we know the regions are coming and there will be a change in geography, but the work stays the same on the ground. And having that building unit that serves 50,000 population, I think that's going to be so, so important as we go through more change in the HSC that people identify with their local community. They identify with their primary care centre or the health centre, as they will call it. And we've seen a huge investment in prevention, early intervention in the networks through health promotion, through the integrated care programmes as well. It's a really exciting time for that building of that work as we go into the regions. So how did you come in? I'm aware, Karen, you came in through the Mm. community development when I met you first back in the old Midland Health Board. So, Jonita, where did you come in? Yeah, I suppose like it's interesting, like reflecting back on that, even from a very young age, I was always interested in health and uh, health and well-being. And I'm even thinking back in my school days and when friends were maybe smoking or drinking. I was always saying like, would you consider giving <laughs> off? Like, you were a health and wellbeing champion. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time, but I was champion at a very early age. And then, and then it was no surprise to me then when I went into nursing in Midlothian. And I was delighted to work in that area of the health service. And I feel very privileged and honoured to have worked in the acute setting and working with people when they're at their most need of care. And I feel very privileged to have had that experience. 
And I suppose then I came to a crossroads in my own life in direction of travel in terms of my career. And a good friend of mine and colleague that I work with now, Catherine O'Loughlin, had completed the first health promotion course in Galway in 1995. And she knew I was all into health and that she said, Joan, that course would really suit you. So that was it. I went in and I have to say it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my whole life. And if I could say the, the dot moment when I went to Galway and learned so much around health promotion, I think learning about the determinants of health and knowing that there are so many factors that influence health and well-being, that there isn't just one. And when we look at it in a collective and adopt that whole of society approach to promotion of health and well-being, we will have success. So that Healthy Ireland framework is speaking your language, that yeah, health and all absolutely. policies approach. And Karen, from a community development perspective, I suppose it's joining the dots as well, was it? Yeah, I think so. I suppose my origins would have been working with a partnership company, working on transport project, older person project, developing a committee skills training programme. And I suppose even like Joan from a young age, I would have been the prefect in the school, <laughs> probably yeah, probably given out by the, the lads at the back of the bus smoking. But yeah, always had an interest in health, but interested in how communities function and how some communities were able to bring resources in and really make great strides in providing the best opportunities in their local communities. You know, my uncle always has a saying that, you know, the hungry chick doesn't uh, cry the loudest. You know, so some communities didn't have that support or advocacy part and I always was fascinated by that. And as a community development worker back with a partnership company in the day, being involved, you know, in, in supporting those communities who didn't have a voice. I brought that into my work in health promotion back when we joined in 2002. And when I look at the Ottawa Charter, the environmental piece, you know, if you don't have the bus to get you to the local primary care centre, if you don't have the technology to be able to engage and go online and set up accounts and yeah. remember all your passwords, who is there to support you in those days when you may have got a diagnosis or you're maybe you're having struggles within your own family or your parenting or where can I get help and support? And it's sometimes that little bit of support that can help us through those dark days. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the partnership company, you know, your former employer there, no more than we said about the family resource centres, those partnership companies have been huge enablers. I know that they have a social inclusion remit, mm. but our partnership with partnership companies has been hugely advantageous, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, and I think partnership is key to the success of any programme implementation. But partnerships don't happen overnight, like they're built on trust and relationships and the importance of investing in the relationship at the outset of a partnership as well. And that takes time as well. So rather than running in straight away with the programme, and we've seen that with Slaunch Care Health Communities as well, that you do need to take the time to work with the partners. So there's clarity and everyone is clear about what's involved here, what's the requirements, what do we need to do? And with that relationship and established relationship, it certainly leads to success. Do you know what I'm reminded of, Karen, is the work that you did around the parenting programme in the Midlands, the groundwork before, and it was partnership meetings and developing memorandums of understanding, but literally and bluntly developing a shared understanding between the partners of what's expected, who's going to lean in when, who's going to get what out of it. Yeah, and I think around parenting in particular, it is one of those things that I suppose sometimes professionals may feel it's only those parents in those areas. But as parents, as we all know, we all need different helps and supports, but it is that normalising and destigmatizing. It's OK to look for help and that help seeking behaviour and supporting that piece. And I suppose it's that piece that fascinates me as a manager too. what motivates people to change when are, are they at that pre-contemplation, contemplation, ready to take that step? I'm actually reminded I signed up to the Steps to Help programme yesterday. And I was thinking, how will I fit it in? Like, Just to explain to the listeners, it's our staff health and wellbeing walking initiative and steps to health. I was drafted onto a team there the other day as well. Absolutely. Mm. And it's a really important initiative for staff health and wellbeing. Like I see 
the groups going out at lunchtime and I see them organising to meet at one o'clock at the front and getting even 20 minutes or half an hour into your day or maybe coming in a bit earlier, staying back. But it is trying to fit these pieces in. And we all have to mind ourselves as individuals, as managers, as colleagues, you know. So I think those opportunities for that chat and that walk, it's crucial to mind in our own health during the, the work. Yeah, I even think that point that Karen has said there, that whole opportunistic promotion of health. And I suppose really knowing that you are making a difference, like even as Karen talked about the steps to health there, or even getting yourself into that frame of mind that, yes, I am going to do the steps to health. But, and for some people, that can be a huge step that they're setting themselves a challenge. So recognising that for some people it can come quite naturally, but for other people then there is a journey involved. And I suppose it's recognising that that we all will make changes at different times, depending on where we are in our, ourselves, where our confidence are. Do we believe we have the ability to succeed? as well as what supports are there in my environment. So if I'm living out in the middle of the country there and I want to go for a walk at night time, does my environment support me to do that? And you'd say, well, the local GA club there, most of them now have walking tracks there and are lit up and Ireland Lights Up is a campaign that happens every new year. So it's about looking to where the supports are. And, you know, there are issues then in terms of supporting people in their environment, whether how do they get there? Is there access to transport? So there's many factors. And I suppose that's the determinants of health, like everyone playing their part to support people to make the healthier choice, yeah. the easier choice. Isn't it so simple, like the act of walking and then trying to up your steps can have a very positive impact on some of the people that need it the most, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. the, the simple act of walking. You don't need any resource. But as you said, different people are in different frames of mind. Often we hear the phrase now, people have things going on, you know, a lot going on. Like everybody seems to have a lot going on, whether in family or your working life. I think there's opportunities as well. There's opportunities, I suppose, if we look at mental health over the last number of years, particularly over COVID, we have seen in many reports around mental health struggles and suffering, particularly with our young people. So I do think services like social prescribing in your slant care area can open you up to a world that you didn't know about, you know, whether that's a local group and actually, I was at a launch in the Clondalkin in Rolla Centre and I was talking to somebody who'd taken up on the smoking services that we offer in the area. And as a result of that, they said, well, OK, I've tackled smoking now. What's my next step? Right, I'm going to look at healthy eating. Signed up for healthy eating, yeah. Med Easy programme. So it can be a knock on of saying, you know, if I can address and be confident in one area of my life, I can build on it. But yeah, isn't it so central, that confidence? You both yeah. mentioned that word and that, you know, you're trying to build your self-esteem, but you have to nearly take on a challenge. But you feel empowered by achieving something like we all feel empowered by achieving something. But you have to kind of set yourself a goal. Yeah. And I think it's really recognising that. And back to Karen mentioned the Ottawa Charter there, like one of the five principles of the Ottawa Charter is building personal skills. And uh, that's all around the self-confidence and self-efficacy and the belief that I can do this and I will do this. And I suppose recognising that people will come to different health choices at different stages of their life. Young people have very much a present tense mindset and everything is now and it's instant. And when you talk about into the future, then in terms of health into the future and health and wellness into the future, the choices to make now can have an impact for any of us into the future. And I suppose like I often think health isn't a given. We have to work at it. It's like everything, whether you're going out to play the All-Ireland, you don't go and land yourself in the All-Ireland final. You have to put in the matches, the groundwork, the practice. If you're doing an exam, you have to do the study. And it's the same for health. You have to invest in your health in order for you to reap the benefits of it. And if it's a small investment throughout your life. And no one, and I really come back to this, really valuing what you're doing right now is making a difference. And to really acknowledge that for yourself, that the choices you make are making a difference in your life and ultimately for population health as well. Yeah. Like I think the, the COVID restrictions, like I've said this before, that 
they pulled the rug out from us mm -hmm. and they they made people more aware of the likes of your social supports and how central they are to your well-being or your, you know, people might, might felt they were walking more, but they were always eating more. They might even drinking more. They might mm. do a lot of things more, but they weren't engaging as human beings. So how do you think we're bouncing back from COVID in the communities you work in? I think it's a work in progress. I, I still think there's still a little bit of fear and a little bit of resistance, but I think as we provide more programmes, as community centres, family resource centres, partnership companies, the work we do as head promotion officers out on the ground, as we bring people more in and connect with each other, I think we are getting to, I won't say back to where we were pre-COVID. I think there's a lot of positives through COVID that we need to bring forward into the future as well. But I think we are engaging more and I think that will come with time. But it's building that back up slowly. There is still a cohort of people out there who are nervous and worried about their health. We're living longer and we know that now. And I mean, the life expectancy for men and women in Ireland has increased. So we're living longer. We're living longer with chronic conditions. So we do, as Joan says, we do have to mind ourselves a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know whether it means midlife crisis has moved on. Or is, yeah. is that more um, middle no, I, th age, I, I think Joan eats his call to action there around being aware of your healthy behaviours or your, how your behaviours are going to bring you into your older years in a healthy way. I think that's important. Yeah, I was just uh, listening this morning on the way up and Professor McConaughey was talking about, you know, the changes in guidelines now and about that whole connection. And coming out of COVID, we were used to social distancing and now it's about social intimacy and social connection. So that's, it's changing our frame around that, about connecting back in and the value of connecting in again for our own well-being as well is crucial. Yeah, and that's the core of our mental health promotion work, isn't it? Like yeah. that connecting in in terms of that impact of COVID. You didn't see some of your social supports before. You didn't even acknowledge them. So during COVID, there was so many people sitting at home completely frustrated. So I think people have a greater awareness of that, but I think we might have to pull people back mm. into that. We have to prioritise selling that connection, I think. And that's back to the community then again and the groups that are working in the community, the local groups there, whether that's the sporting clubs, like they have a huge role to play both for playing and non-playing members. And there is always that social inclusion aspect to it as well, that connection. So whether it's involved in playing cards, I play bridge myself. To see all the bridge members coming back out and playing like that was a big step because a lot of bridge players are older generation and to see them coming out and trusting themselves and trusting their environment to come back and connect. And it's fabulous. So I do think there is work we need to do in that area about rebuilding that connection. And that's what we're good at here in Ireland. We connect really well. Yeah, it's it's our strength. So it's about yeah. coming back and building on that again. Yeah. And I see that that's the key message of that Department of Health campaign around mm. getting older people to connect again or getting them out. I guess when you stand back from it, you think older people and younger people, they were particularly knocked off. So that should be a focus. And I know some of your staff work with teachers to try and target youth health. How do they do that? Yeah, I suppose we work through the education centres and provide training through working with groups of teachers to bring that training back to their schools and impart that programme or, or knowledge and skills with the students that they work with. So I think that's a really important piece around capacity building. Like we do see a lot of guest speakers in and we do see all of that, but where a teacher is embedding a programme in a school, it makes a huge difference. So I think that's really important. You just mentioned there about the young people and older people being affected with COVID. Our HSE staff in particular were hugely affected and we're seeing that particularly in nursing units and, you know, they went through a lot during COVID and we're looking at health promotion at the extra supports we can give to our HSE staff, whether that's around staff health and wellbeing or maybe supporting workplace or wellness committees, supporting the steps to help programme, deliver mind and your wellbeing out with our staff as well. That's a mental health promotion programme. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it's just time for people to reflect on their own health. A lot of carers, a lot of HC staff are of that caring nature. So sometimes they're last on the list. So we've seen a lot of burnout, but we're working with a really impressive workforce and they're our most valuable resource and asset. And I say that with my own team as well. I'm working with an amazing team of seniors who lead out on the Making Every Contact program count, who lead out on staunch care, staff health and wellbeing training, mental health promotion. So the staff health and wellbeing, I absolutely think that's crucial. So the, the HSE staff were at the front line and funnily enough, health promotion were taken from their health promotion role and thrown into many different front lines. They were one of the redeployed services, yeah. weren't they? How yeah. did you? We stepped up and yeah. everyone there, I think we were living in extraordinary times and no mountain was unsurmountable, like, I mean, whatever needed to be done, not just ourselves, but all staff stepped up and rallied and gave and kept giving. And there's been a lot of changes and there was a lot of loss as well coming out of COVID as well, like a lot of staff and remembering that staff have families as well. And whilst we were at work, they were going home to their families as well. So living through that and coming out from that, I do think that whole reinvestment in the staff and yeah, building up the staff again and promoting their health and well-being in the different ways. And for some, that is about connecting back in again. And there's a lot of recognition of all staff stepping up to the mark. And now that we have come out of COVID, it's about how do we, I suppose, reorganize ourselves as well and What's our learnings from that as a staff and what do we want to bring forward with that support? Yeah. The other thing that Karen mentioned there was that a lot of our health services are caring by definition nearly, Mm -hmm. but we don't always prioritise self-care. The point that you made, Junita, there about you went over and above during COVID Mm -hmm. and whatever redeployed exercise you were asked to deliver on and then you had to do it again and again like it was an ongoing war. Mm. How do we sell self-care to our own staff? Like, how do we get them to kind of take that seriously? Because sometimes they have compassion for everybody, but they're not taking the compassion time for themselves. I think even having the conversation, even naming it. Yeah. And just it is where we're at and acknowledging what people have come through, because I often think once it's named and it's put out there, that's your beginning then to move in the next step, the next directions and acknowledging that, yeah, self-care is so vital. I think it's about management given that space to say you're welcome to take part in a Mind in Your Wellbeing programme and to access services and access support and for those in those positions to model that behaviour as well. So it is putting the jacket on and going out at lunchtime for the walk at times. It is being respectful of boundaries and it is being role models, I suppose, that we are the ambassadors for promoting health within our organisations. But it has been a difficult time and I think that support from management is crucial to say to staff, you know, it's important to look after your own health And we're providing the resources and the support to do that. And I see that in our own area around working with the community nursing units as well. We've uh, staff health and wellbeing. Siobhan Mangan is working the community nursing units in particular with a range of supports there as well. And they're very open to it. It's making that time to do that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's vital, isn't it? Absolutely, Mm. yeah. We might kind of wrap it up there. So one of my final questions to you in today's episode is where do you see yourselves over the next 12 or 18 months? We spoke about the kind of revolution that has happened in health promotion with the big injection of staff and these areas of work and getting better integrated internally and working with so many partners externally. How do you see things rolling along in the next year or two? I would say the future is very bright for health promotion and it is key to population health. It's key to addressing health inequalities and we're there to support positive health and well-being outcomes. So I think while there may be change ongoing, the work on the ground stays the same. And for me, building a skilled workforce of health promotion officers out there and we're still recruiting on hcjobs.ie, we're still recruiting. I'd hope by the end of the year that we'd have a full squad of health promotion officers out there 
that our partnerships are strong and consistent, that we're building on the good staunch care communities work that's undertaken. Making every contact count is out there in our networks. It's out there with our chronic disease hubs, that our staff health and wellbeing is strong, that our choirs are singing. The breadth and depth of the work is huge. But we're very clear in our area that we've six core functions of work and that we've action plans for each area of work. We've built our connections both internally and externally. And we're really optimistic for the future. Okay, Janita? Yeah, look, everything that Karen has said there, I concur with. And I suppose for me, the future is that continual investment and investment in health promotion. And we know that with dedicated investment through staff, like like Karen there, my staff has quadrupled since I came into post and we're positioned in all the five counties and leading out on all the programmes. And that difference has been phenomenal in terms of the reach and what we can do. So with the investment, in terms of the resources and the human resources and then the evidence-based programs to continue to build and grow on that. So I would say a continuous investment in health promotion, recognising that this is key to promoting population health and well-being, that we know when we look at the downstream philosophy and, and upstream philosophy, we know that by investing when people are well and building on that from the cradle until older age, investing throughout the life course and putting the resource in at key times will lead to increased population health and well-being. So very good, very good. Okay, I'd like to thank you so much for your time and input today, Karen and Jonita. And if anybody wants to find out more, you can go to the HSC Health and Wellbeing website. The Slauntica Healthy Communities page on that has a comprehensive list of services and contact emails if you want to reach in to the health services anywhere in many of the areas that we talked about today. And thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to another episode of HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing.